Hey, how's it going? This is Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. And today I have the well-known, actually, from I hear about you from everywhere, Randy Brothers. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the stories aren't aren't too bad, but. Uh... They're all <laughs> congratulations on the podcast. I, I, I'm excited for what you've got going on here and I'm glad to be a part of it, my friend. Absolutely, man. Uh, so we're talking about how to get into retail or commercial when you were storm only. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experience with this and, and why you think this might be important for some people to, to learn more about today. Well, I think, I mean, to, to kind of go back and give some context here, Many of us, um, we, we get into the roofing space one one way or another. A lot of us are either sales or or we're from a production and or we were on a roof and we decided to get into sales or or get into owning a roofing company. And a lot of times, you know, we do it because there's a big market opportunity. There's a big hailstorm or something happened, a hailstorm, a windstorm, a hurricane. Something happened that automatically just created a ton of demand. And it just makes for the perfect opportunity to start a new business and get into roofing and and and, and go from there, which is great. You, there's a lot of opportunity there and you can do well. However, building a business model based on something that you can't control, such as the weather, can set you up for challenges and failure in the future. It's a great way to break into the market. It's a great way to build a business model and capture that opportunity when that opportunity happens. But my mind as an entrepreneur early on was of the notion that, yes, we have storms. I'm in a storm market, but there's going to be a day where we don't have storms. What are we going to do when we don't have storms? Right. So when I, you know, when I'm addressing my team, you know, each, each and every year, I like to clear the slate and, and say, here's the deal, guys. We're not going to have a storm this year. What are we going to do? How are we going to build our model? How are we going to, you know, incorporate other things to still maintain and grow our business without the dependency on a storm? And, and that kind of triggers the entrepreneurial mind of, okay, what am I going to do to diversify my roofing business and, and build out a business that's not solely relying on storms? Therefore, we, we look at all other verticals, look at other alternatives. And in our case, it, it made sense to focus on service work first, right? We added a repair division. We added service con service technicians and we do residential and commercial service repairs. So quite a bit of them now. That's, that, that's, that segment is growing. We also work on retail. We want to be able to sell insurance jobs. We also want to be able to sell retail jobs simultaneously or depending on what the market will bear. And the third level is at, when, when the timing is right now, I'm not just saying start your business and dive into all this because you're going to overwhelm yourself one step at a time. Uh, the third level is commercial. And in commercial, is there's a number of different ways to approach commercial. It can be even everything from just specialty residential can be technically, you know, ran through a commercial process. Uh, flat roofs, you know, large loss, apartments, community associations, HOAs, um, flat roofs. Uh, when it comes to coatings, you can do coating work, you know, uh, spray on coatings or roll on coatings. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to kind of approach commercial. You also have insurance, you also have retail. So the, in my mind, I wanted to build a roofing business that can be diverse in all these things. That way I can pull different levers based on the market and, and ideally build a sustainable business model. And mm. true to form, 
you know, we've been doing this 11 years in our market and we had storm after storm, after storm, after storm, built our business, scaled our business, storm, storm, storm. We did a lot of work that way with always having this mindset of what if, what if we don't, what if we don't lo and behold, two years in a row. Now the storms started dissipating less storms, less intensity, less what area, market, by the way, Denver, just, just I'm in the Colorado Denver, Denver market. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, this last year, along with COVID, we had virtually no storms in our direct market, uh, nothing Did, really, uh, and it was challenging, but we, but we were able to make it through yeah. because we had this plan in place. Awesome. And did that affect door knocking? Like did, uh, did COVID, I always wonder in different markets, cause I think it's different vibes, but like, how did that affect door knocking? Like, did it make it a lot less effective with COVID and people being scared and so off to answer some two different perspectives. One, my coach perspective, because I coach a lot of different roofing contractors and I work with them a lot. And many of them do a lot of door knocking. My current internal business isn't primarily built on door knocking. We, we built a lot of, okay. we, we approach a different way. But from what I understand throughout the country, there's been a little bit of a mixed results because I guess it depends on the market. Some markets yeah. are super conservative and they're like, I'm not doing anything. And some markets you go down to like Texas, they don't care. They didn't wear masks. They're just fighting it. They're not doing nothing. So it depends on the market, you know, and in Colorado, a lot more people are more conservative. They're like, ah, no, I'm freaking out about this. Stay away from me. I'm wearing my mask inside my own house and driving around in a car with a mask on, you know, it depends on how they approach (laughs) it. Right. Um, So understanding your market is one thing, but there's a number of stories where roofing contractors were just like, er, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock doors because they're freaking out about it. And then certs of select few went all in on knocking doors and they did really well. Mm-hmm. So they knocked doors. It's, like, with it's masks almost like, they, uh, you know, PPE yeah. and they stood away and they tried to, then they set up virtuals. Then they work on a, implementing virtual sales and, and doing it that way. Because here's the thing. Yes. Everybody's freaked out, but everybody was home. So it's like, mm-hmm. it was almost like there's more opportunity because everybody's home versus driving to work and they're gone during the day. So that opens up the door for door knocking. So I've mm-hmm. seen mixed results all over the board from it. Um, us personally, we don't, I mean, that it's a, it's a part of we do, but it's a part, it's a small part of our, our marketing approach. So on a personal level, we don't, it didn't, we didn't see a, a great impact one way or another. We don't knock enough doors to, uh, to be able to measure that. Okay. So with uh, the, the idea of like, okay, so we've got people that move around though to go to storms, right? There's a lot of roofers that are just like, all right, well, I'm just going to go. Like they feel mobile versus, because you could do that, right? Technically yeah. your business could just, it could just be a jumper, jump, jump to different stuff. So what's the pros and cons of doing that um, versus kind of hunk down and like diversifying with residential commercial? Uh, so non-storm excuse me there's um i there, both ways work there's two different mindsets two yeah. different business models both work okay i think it comes down to the individual and the, the model and the people that are involved some people yeah. like the lifestyle of traveling and moving and going all over the place and if that's your lifestyle and that's what you're okay with you can build a model that's solely based on storms and you we storm chase. We call this a storm chasing model you chase different storms you move around you try that's to be like negative, derogatory to be isn't it Technically, it, it can. I feel be. like that's looked down on a little bit. Um, I like mean, it, the way it, people say that. 
from a consumer's perspective, yes, but from a roofer, it's like, yeah, I, I chase storms, I make money, and I, and, I, and I build a great life, and you can do very well with that. And I did that early yeah. on in my career, you know, mm -hmm. but with me. So no hate, no hate towards that. No hate, no, no hate. It's just, you know, to each their own. If you're going to yeah. do that, there's a right way to do it. If yeah. you're going to stay home, there's a right way to do it, right? I think regardless of, of you know, the persona that we have or, or the, the, you know, the, the judgment that we have with the titles of storm chaser or whatever, a good person that has the right integrity that treats people right and that does the right thing that's the key if you can do that you can handle both business models and be successful at it at the end of the day mm -hmm. treat people right be fair be honest don't do dumb things which that's mm -hmm. what gives us the bad reputation the quote-unquote mm -hmm. bad storm rep chaser reputation is it seems like every time a big storm happens somebody think gets this bright idea to show up and knock a bunch of doors and sell a bunch of roofs and take a bunch of deposits and disappear and steal money. And then yeah. all of us have to deal with that rap. That doesn't mean that storm chasing is a bad business model. Yeah. If you have the right people and you're able to execute the right way. It is more challenging because of those personas and that negative, you know, persona about it. But me personally, so, the answer yeah. to that question, I did that for a while. And then I love where I live. I'm from Colorado. I'm born and raised here. I like to snowboard. I like to, you know, I wanted to be home. I didn't want to travel personally. Mm -hmm. Some people like to travel. Some people don't. I didn't want to travel and I wanted to settle down. I wanted to get, you know, start a family and, and not have to be worrying about traveling all the time. And I believe that that traveling, you can only do it for so long. Like if you're looking at this as a lifetime career, you're literally committing to a life on the road. If that's you, great. That just wasn't me. So therefore, mm -hmm. I wanted to build a local brand that could be sustainable year in and year out for generations to come. And that's my mindset and my focus. I'm going to throw it out here because I have seen examples of this where the person generally stays in one area, but then kind of deploys his people or their people out to those other areas. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? I, I'm kind of digging into this like perception of uh, the difference in perception because I think people don't like that in certain ways. Like if somebody came into your Colorado area and started like, you know, they're not from here and, you know, obviously it's co competitive vibe, but like, as far as like that person's business model, what do you think about that? Like the idea of just like, all right, I'm going to put three salespeople boots on the ground. I'm going to stay, I'm, I can relax in my area and then occasionally go out to Colorado or let's say, let's use a different state. Just like, let's say Texas, like mm -hmm. you've got three guys on the ground in Texas, but you're not necessarily like living there. So that business model basically, I'm just question. like talking about, cause it is, it is an interesting business model. And I certainly have seen people get roasted for it in certain ways, but I'm just curious how you feel. Again, it really comes down to how you approach it. Yeah. Um, I've done that. Been there, done as that. As long as you're not doing scammy things, basically. Exactly. Don't take it off the table. Don't scam anybody. Don't rip people yeah. off. That's go away. Yeah. You can go to jail or go to church, whatever you need to do to get your life right. Do that. Yeah. Right. But personally, I don't do that anymore. I have done that model. Yeah. But yeah. here's what I what I found is like my brand, my brand image, what I'm trying to build as a local brand it's really hard to have that same brand image and the brand persona mm. if you're remote. So you That's either good. have to have rockstar people or be somewhat shady, or you have to partner up or what they call set mm. another company brand and then work off another local established brand. But there's still some dishonesty going on to the consumer if you're doing that. Right. So mm. there's a number of different ways. So it's to about it. it authenticity right. for but you. It's basically. hard to be it's authentic. About, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Okay. That's awesome. And that's a very interesting perspective. Certainly something that I've thought about with a, as a digital marketing company a little bit, realistically, like the idea of setting boots on the ground in an area and being a little bit more involved there, certain ways. Well, Some long term, I like the idea of, yeah. As a digital marketer, how challenging is it to do that? Like if you're working with somebody locally, you can work year round to build up the, the, the brand and the, and the reputation and all the things to where they're getting inbound leads quite frequently. When, if you're working with somebody that says, Hey, storm happened here and I need to be there tomorrow, get me leads. It's really can you, hard. Can to you do say that question one more time? Because can you say that question one more time? Cause I broke up a little bit. Can you say that one more time? Sure. So, so the question is, you know, from a marketing perspective, you can work all year long building a brand and developing SEO and AdWords and developing a brand where people are, you're getting inbound leads and inbound calls mm. and that brand image. And it takes years and years to build that up to where it's consistent. Google reviews, the whole package, right? Yeah. And then if I'm all of a sudden saying, Hey, I'm opening an office in this place. Yeah. Get me leads. That's How good. Do you do? Like, that's that's good. really hard to do and yeah, have a professional brand image. Yeah. It's basically like you're either from my perspective on a digital marketing side, it's either you're committing hard to that location. And like that tends to mean other things that are very boots on the ground, right? And I think you should be very selective about which locations you choose. And you should be actually very, like basically senior peeper, people, senior, holy shit, I can't speak. <laughs> Sam, cut that out, please. Um, <laughs> You either have executive people, like you either have real senior people mm -hmm. in that area running that and that there's, there's insure, you're ensuring that you're going to have high level customer service and you're going to be the type of company that gets 20 reviews in that area, or you're not going to go into that area. That's basically what I would say from a digital marketing perspective, you either do it hard or you don't go because no. that is it's it's to have 10 locations with two reviews and you're just flimsy you're flimsy and you you have to either go solid and like that's why it's like maybe it's one first like there's yeah. one location one other major location you have true senior executive type, type people there that are running like let's say in roofing like project management and sales you got one one of each senior people that go there yeah. and really establish the the company there that would be the only way that it's going to work from my perspective on a digital marketing side because so much yeah. of mar digital marketing is like at the end of the day it's it's just in support of your brand it can't make your brand it can't make you yeah that's customer service that's customer experience that's reviews mm -hmm. that's a digital that's Yes, it can help. Like it can get the video testimonial and it can do all the, you know, it can do a nice landing page, but it can't yeah. fix a real customer experience problem. Digital marketing is, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's interior decoration, so to speak, but it's, it's, it can't fix the, the rotted wood in the side, you know, the side yeah. of the, the building. You got to like do deeper surgery for that, you know? Yeah. Well, look at it from a consumer perspective, like people, you know, people are going to remember the most, not what they see or, or, or how, how you look or your brand or your story. They're going to remember how you make them feel. And that the only way you can capture that is through a great customer experience.
And if you focus on that, like your customer experiences something different with you and you build a real relationship. I look at it from like, I want to build customers for life. Mm-hmm. You know, I want that. I want to be that roofer, that person's roofer, my customer. I want to be the roofer for life. Like every time they buy a new house, if they have a storm, if they're, they're grandparents or neighbors or family, their friends, I want to be the top of mind. Hey, call this roofing company because they did a great job. They, they made me feel like I was, you know, that, uh, that I was important and they did a fantastic job of, of executing on everything they said. They're honest, did, did their job. They really provided a great experience. Like, how do you do that? How do you mm-hmm. build? Brand is great. I mean, image and all the things, but until you actually get in the door and do that, you have to do that. And it's hard to do yeah. that if you're wearing a mask, right? Authentic, right? right? If it you're is. wearing this mask, yeah. and I've done this, okay? It's hard. If I'm yeah. wearing yeah, the mask of, yeah, I am work, I'm a local contractor, but my license is from a different state. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just got here yesterday after the hailstorm, but I'm local and I'm working for a local yeah. contractor. It you, People are going to see right through that. It's hard to yeah. be authentic. It's hard to be genuine. Like, and I don't, I don't get into the, the gimmicky, like aggressive sales tactics. Like I really preach good person, be authentic, create a relationship. And if you can build a foundation there and have good values, the sales and the process becomes just a process of explaining mm-hmm. and educating your customer. And you don't have to manipulate your customer to buy. Yeah. From you, right. So, okay. Let me throw this out there. Just kind of like digging a little bit deeper into this topic, because I would say from what I can tell, talking to a lot of roofers, going to different events and stuff like that, chatting with clients, it seems like everybody I talk to as the owner of these companies is that. They're authentic. This is why I love roofers. Authentic. Like I like, they, they, they got boots on the ground. They, they're, they always like, you know, customer service. They usually have a background in like installation or whatever, you know, they can do this thing. They, they make sure it's done well, or they've got like processes in place. There's, they're really, they're good at, they're good at sales because they like, they like helping people. Well, they're also passionate about their brand. Yeah. It's their baby. Right? Yeah. It, and so you love it's it. It's much easier to be passionate about that. But then the question is, as you grow your company <laughs> and you're trying to create a culture, and this is where it becomes tough, because I feel like the first part, everyone that listens to this podcast, I can almost guarantee you is like that authentic sell because you like, like helping people yeah. type person. And I, I hopefully, cause that's, that's what works. They're also, they're also humble yeah. enough to know that I need to listen to podcasts and I need to be, yeah. you know, I need to learn and grow and get better as a human yeah. being and as an individual and as a leader. And that's, yeah. you're absolutely right. That is our market. That's who's watching this right now. But then like, how do you like, have you, how can you give me some like experiences or times you've seen where somebody's scaled that vibe out to their whole sales team and has gotten that that general um, approach down into yeah. sales because that's the hard part from my point yep. of view. That's yep. the and that's where you don't grow or you don't you don't grow leadership or you don't grow salespeople to to expand that reach of that approach to business. Great question, and that that is very challenging, and that's where so many people fail. Is like because you can sell your own roof and your own self all day long. That's easy. But how do you duplicate that? How do you mm-hmm. reciprocate that? How do you create a model where you bring other people into that? And I think, you know, the, the 
the foundational elements of that is you have to establish your why and really dive into what your why is and why you are so passionate and why your your company means so much and then use that to create a baseline set of values for your company and you got to hire people based on those things hmm. hire people that fit that predetermined criteria that you set forth to be a representative of my of your company if somebody's going to be good. a representative of my company i'm hiring them based on their character not their skill set Mm -hmm. right hire character train skills teach skills i have three rules of hiring and that's rule number two the third rule is culture is hired not trained okay you can't just take hmm. a group of 10 salespeople and change them to fit a culture it doesn't work they're all individual they all have their own baggage their own issues their own whatever they learned you have to hire one at a time and make sure during that onboarding and hiring process that you bring people on and you set the uh, you establish the expectations of culture and what your culture is up front that's, and that's, that's awesome. how you build a culture because your your culture will will happen if you just throw people in your business the culture will kind of develop itself if you want to have some control over that and if you want your culture to be a direct reflection of you as a leader you got to be intentional about that. And, Absolutely. And, you know, rule number one, I guess people are going to be asked, what's the rule? I said two and three, but the rule number one, <laughs> they're going to be like, what the heck's rule number one? Rule number one is hire slow, fire fast. Right? You could take your time, hire the right people. And if they're not right, you got to let them go. Let them, let them go find another opportunity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So let's, Kind of bring it back. We talked about that that shift, right? From going from this, this storm focused contractor to, you know, a little bit more um, retail and commercial. So and maybe, you know, like there's a lot of, like I was looking at the top hundred roofing companies in the United States, like kind of looking at the revenue and like commercial. the percentage breakdown. There's so many more commercial, man. It's crazy. It's like commercial is big business, but this is a different world. It's a different world. And I think there is kind of a little bit like that vibe of going into commercial. There is some big boys in there. There is some heavy hitting established players. Yeah. That's scary. That's scary it, to come up against, or it's just like, it's still like all about those relationships. It's like, it's kind of a different skill set in certain ways, right? Because it's like, it's almost like B2B sales. And that's, it's just a longer, slower game. You can't like glad hand the, you know, I'm, you know, I followed roofers. I'm not a roofing salesperson, but I followed roofing salesperson. It's a little bit more like, all right, let's do this. we got the contract. Let's go. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different, longer and slower with commercial. It's a so, much longer sales cycle. It's way more relational. It's way more like you got to work your way in, create, establish yourself. You're not just going to walk in and, and in a, in a short period of time, convince someone to buy a half million dollar roof from you. It doesn't work that way. You yeah. got to go in and do a $500 repair first and maybe even do it for mm -hmm. free. <laughs> establish yourself, yeah. show them, Hey, we're, we can do repairs. We can do full replacements. We have the support and the systems and processes to handle and, and be able to grow and, and be able to, you know, solve your problems and, and be a, a partner. Would you have different salespeople? Would you have yes. a different like set of a team? Yep. Okay. Separate. So I have three different departments, my retail or my residential service and commercial. The sales is separate. 
all the way across the board. Mm -hmm. My commercial salespeople only focus on commercial sales. My service sales guys only do commercial uh, service sales residentially. Commercially, they do both. But and then retail or, or residential, they all do their own just just residential sales. Now, part of kind of the topic is, you know, the conversion. Like, you, how do you do retail? How do you do commercial? Like. Commercial is one thing, longer sales cycle. You got to have money. You got to have established. You got to go there, but it's, it's a long process. It takes years to build out a, a good commercial department. However, the path of least resistance is service having, you can hire one service tech and start selling service right away and then add one more as you need it, as you grow that out. But being able to have your retail and, and insurance sales, um, like, be able to shift back and forth and have your sales team trained to do both. That's key. And I think you can do that, right? Our business model and our, the way I coach and within my training program that I have, we, and how we've done it with our businesses, we build our business as if it's a retail business that we sell insurance when the opportunity is there to sell insurance. So it's a, we have a step-by-step -step process. We've established our own seven-step sales process. It, it's detailed seven steps to train everybody on those steps. And we have a pretty large insurance component. You can plug and play the insurance component as you need, but everything else is still pretty much the same. You know, it's the same experience. You just plug and play insurance based on whether it's insurance or retail. And then if yep. it's retail, you, you put pricing in good, better, best, have upgrades, sell upgrades. There's a lot that goes into it. It's pretty, you know, pretty detailed that goes into it, but you got to be able to cross train your people. If you're going to do this model, you got to be able to cross train your salespeople to do, to, mm -hmm. to do both. Cool. It's not always that easy, right? Because a lot of times people come into this business, they get trained to just knock a bunch of doors and sign these contingencies and turn them over and keep moving on. And, um, and, and that, and it's hard for them to actually be salespeople. I mean, they're not, mm -hmm. people get trained to be order takers and not mm -hmm. salespeople, right? So mm -hmm. we have to actually train sales step-by-step -step process for sales. And, uh, and if you can do that and then plug the right tools in, you can do both and you can train people and you can build a really effective team that treats us like a career versus just a, you know, summer get rich quick type of job when they're just knocking doors for an, for a health hailstorm, right? The tools that you need, you have a good, have a good presentation, you know, use, build a slide deck or some way to have, build a presentation for your company. And the key there is you want to be able to have your, the, the right information consistently given to every customer, right? We established, we want, we, we're owners, we're passionate, we can sell. We want to be able to duplicate that. The best way to do that is, is build up a step-by-step -step presentation, train our salespeople on after we hire them properly. And then they can give consistent information to every customer across the board. Mm -hmm. That's the key. It's harder than it sounds sometimes. <laughs> it is. That's the key, I think. I, I want yep. every customer to have the same amount of information and, and understand our process from the beginning. That's hard to do. That's the focus is making sure to duplicate that same experience as closely as you can to where you're not spinning your wheels. You want to scale, right? Not spinning your wheels, going back to customers and explaining things over and over and over and over again when do i pay how do i pay what's the insurance like what's the cost like what's the when is my materials going to get you got to explain all that upfront throughout your sales process to make them feel comfortable to get the deal and then now it's going to mitigate a bunch of headaches on the back end if you want to scale your business and then have a great estimating tool you know early on we built like a 
a spreadsheet that we use a multi-page spreadsheet that was a at the time was pretty sophisticated but nowadays there's software programs out there and we i'll, I'll give a free plug to my, my my boys over at sumo quote um we use sumo quote it's included for members who join me as a, at the academy um the, the people i work with I actually i believe so much in sumo quote that i i pay for it and i give it to them that's part as an inclusion because nice. having a really good solid digital estimating tool is a game changer this day and age, especially if you're doing Zoom mm -hmm. calls and, and you wanna be able to email somebody a quote that's way different and way more professional than any other competition to where a homeowner could click a button and sign something, game changer. So great presentation tool, great quoting tool, establish your process in your business, plug that in and then hire really good high quality character people. That's the essentially the formula for success. I love that, man. I'm going to make you dig a little bit more into that high quality character, uh, those type of people and how you find them and how you vet them. So mm -hmm. if, if you don't mind, that's, that's what we'll kind of wrap up the podcast on is just, that's, that's a big, that's a big gulp, right? Like with, uh, with finding, finding great people. So what do we do? How do we get them? How do we look for them? What are you looking for? I know it's, I know it's based on your why. I appreciate you kind of stepping that out. You got your why, then you got your core values and we've got this mindset. We've got to hire fast and, or, you know, hire slow and fire fast, but then, all right, we've got our core values. Let's say it's family focused. It's, you know, people first, it's whatever it happens to be. Right. How do you that like? What are your things you would look for? What, what would you prioritize in that process? I know it's based on their values, but there's some things that are going to be common to all good candidates. What are you looking for? Yeah, um, and it. how do you? Because that's the, basically the make or break is the people, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you live and die by the people you have around you, right? Um, so we got the values established, but there's another level to that. The values is your company values. This is what the company stands for. This is how we make decisions. This is. The, the be all end all of, of our business at its core. The next level is the human element, which is the what we call the virtues, right? So, and, and there's books and different things you can do. You know, Patrick Lencioni uh, ha has a book called The Ideal Team Player and where, where we just incorporated this into our business is the three virtues. Of... Sure, I got it back here. It's a good book. <laughs> it's a great book. And and so the, the three virtues you're looking for, this is hard to get somebody that fits all this. It's hard, I'm telling you. Humble hungry and smart okay somebody that's humble that's hard in the first place especially in sales where a lot of sales people we're all pretty arrogant <laughs> we egotistical right? why is that the case why i don't know weird? we're all that way we I'm, I'm, i mean I'm like I, I, category. I have to figure it out yeah i like uh i mean i'm a sales i'm in sales too basically it was business owner and like why like we get so much rejection it like drives people the other way it's weird yeah so yeah it's hard but either a humble person or somebody that is motivated to work on their humility, right? Uh, yeah. It starts there, humble, hungry. You gotta be naturally hungry. Like somebody that naturally wants to wake up and, and, and make things happen day in and day out. Like that's hard, man. Some people just, they just don't have that extra gear. They don't have that ability, especially in sales and roofing sales. They don't have that ability to just wake up and want to just take over and crush the world every day and make things happen. Okay. And then smart, this isn't IQ. You know, a lot of us are sales. We're actually pretty dumb, but we have like a one track mind and we get really, really good at one thing. And that's where we can be successful in sales. Um, but it's really smart when it comes to people. Okay. You want somebody that's really self-aware and also really good with people. 
So if you can find people that fit those three criteria or close, or at least two out of the three, you work on the third, that's going to give you a good starting point from a human to human capacity perspective. Now, finding people, there's no magic bullet, okay? The, what it starts with, unfortunately, you may have heard this before, and this may be hard to hear, but it starts with you, okay? If you are, you own a business and you are having a really hard time finding people, hiring people, finding salespeople, you got to look in the mirror first. Organically, people want to be around people they know, like, and trust. People want to be around people that inspire them. You started a business. You are the leader of that business. You have to be a, a, a person that inspires other people to want to help you accomplish your goals and your mission. Mm -hmm. I can't teach that. I can't control that. Okay. There is, everybody wants this magic formula or this magic, you know, script. If I post this magic script, I'm going to get all the best candidates in the world. If you're not a good person, if you're a timid, non-confident leader, humble, hungry, smart person yourself, you're not going to attract people that are that way. Mm. That's good. Hard to hear. I, I just got chills. Pill a lot. Okay. Yeah, it's it's so it is hard, but if it's, you want to build a nice. great business, it starts with leadership. Analyze it's yourself good. as a leader. Read a book. Read a hundred books. Do what you have to do to focus your every single day. Start with yourself. Start with being the best leader and best person you can and, and take ownership of the fact that you as a leader and as a CEO of a business, your job, your role, if you want to grow, is to lead, teach, and inspire other people. Take ownership of that. And I guarantee once you really, really understand what I'm talking about here, people will start to come the business will grow. You will start, the doors will start to open. Ideas will start to fly and organic growth is going to happen. You don't need a flood mm. indeed. You don't need to flood all these, you know, Craigslist and all that with, with gimmicky BS ads, come work for me and make a million dollars. You just sound like a sleazebag if you say that, right? I'll make a hundred thousand. Be a genuine person and then tap into your, to your personal network. You know people mm. like some of the people, my business partner who I brought on after I started the business, known him my entire life. I know him. I know his character. I know what he's capable of. He's he and I are very different in certain ways and very alike in certain ways. But our differences made us a really good team. And we built a business that way. We crushes sales. We could both crush sales. That's how we started a business. We just sold, 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 and then figured out the details after the fact. Again, you never know. I never knew that, you know going to church with him when I was 10 years old was going to, you know, lead to where we are right now with our business. You never know that, you know, but again, real solid relationships, being a good person. If, if, if our relationship wasn't solid and he didn't trust me when I say, when I came to him and said, Hey man, I need you to come help me sell roofs and we're going to build this badass company. That's going to take over and be, be a great organization. He would have laughed at me and said, no, but he trusted me. He believed in me because of my vision and because of my god-given and or worked on built up leadership ability he trusted that he went in family members you know those that's the that's the path of least resistance start with people you know and trust now and paint the vision and bring good people that are good at mm -hmm. things that you're not good at and out and then just let that manifest itself he's brought people in i've brought people in 
our salespeople now bring other people in. Like if you get one good salesperson and you provide an amazing opportunity and they, they make life-changing money and they're doing great, they're happy, it, are people going to see that? Are, is their network, is their close friends and family going to see, man, this person started working for this company a year ago or a few months ago and they're crushing it. Their life is good. They're, they have freedom, more money. They're, they're living well. Cool. I'm interested in that. Then you're mm-hmm. going to get another one and then you're going to get another one and then you're going to get another one. So you got to focus on your culture, yourself, your brand and make your business a place that attracts other people. I like that a lot. I like that last part, just kind of the vibe of like, if you're, if you've got a team right now, are their lives better than one year ago? Is it obvious to their friends and family? That's a really good benchmark to kind of look at. It's a great way to close it because so many of us are are looking. I want to hire more. I got to hire more. I got to need more, 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 more. What do you have? Look at what you have right now. Are you leading the people you have? Are you doing your part in providing them amazing opportunities? Are you enhancing their lives? Are they maxed out at their most, uh, you know, their max potential? Focus mm-hmm. on that, okay? If you have four sales guys that are all doing a couple hundred thousand dollars in sales and doing okay, stop focusing on more guys. Take mm-hmm. the guys you have and help them grow mm. help them get that's to good help them get to two million it's not that's about good. more people it's about more intentional effective volume with the people that you have pour into like the people that. you have and you'll be able to grow that is amazing i love that so uh randy thank you so much for joining me i understand why so many spe- people speak highly of you this is <laughs> this you, is man. a great experience and uh, this is the Hook Better Leads podcast, hookagency.com, hook agency all over social. How can they find you? What's the next step if they'd like to potentially work with you, Randy? I'm all over social media, Facebook primarily. You can look me up, just Randy Brothers on, on, on social media. We also have a podcast, The Star Bill Grow Show. It's on all the podcasting platforms as well as we film it live on Facebook every Wednesday. Uh, and, and then you can, we have a Facebook page as well. But primarily, if you, I, I love, I do, I do my own calls, I book calls, I do free strategy sessions. So if you just want to talk roofing, if you want to talk about any of the things that we talked about today, you can book a call directly with me at my website at theroofingacademy.com. Right at the top or multiple times throughout the page, you just click, book, click on book a call uh, and you can book directly with me and we can connect and chat and uh, talk about roofing business. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening, for watching. Thank you, Randy, for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.